Next. All right, who have we got here? I am Ego, the living planet. Ego, the living planet? Yes, I would like... Your Ego, the living planet, how do you fit in this room? Please explain that to me, Ego, the living planet. Uh, I can detach pieces of myself, or the rest of me is in the Bahamas. <laughs> in the Bahamas, yeah, all right. Yeah, like I'm going to buy that. No, what, what, no, what is it? What really, is, it? is that some really. sort of voice modulator? No, no I am ego. Do not is, doubt me. Is that a? What is it? That's a mask. What? What the heck is this? Hey! Ah no no! Oh freaking Modoc! What the hell are you doing here? I need health insurance. I'm trying to pass these stones. Get out! Get out! Get out! I'm gonna kick you out of here, ass. Get out of here! Back to the bin. William. Hey. Sorry. Did you drop a load? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, you let the dog the... out? Yeah, he's still out. I got to keep an ear out and then I got to yeah, go Scott and I were just discussing it. Isn't, isn't that the same thing? Huh? <laughs> Dropping a load and letting the dog out? No, letting the dog out, I think, would be take would be peeing. Dropping a load would be, you know, dropping a load. Yeah. So I was dropping a load when you guy when I when I texted that the dog's looking at me like, "Come on, man! Come I gotta on. go out and drop a load too. I gotta do, <laughs> I gotta do something." No, oh, just tired because there's nobody here to nag at me. Oh, that's right, your solo bill this week. Yeah. Oh, this week and next week. Wait, 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 wait! Don't they know that you have to be left with adult supervision? I got the dog and the cat and the fish. <laughs> the fish supervised me. I got a book. You doing the soap surfer? Did. Yeah, and I didn't even I didn't even write a synopsis. I don't need a synopsis. I don't need to write oh, anything. Oh no, we're I doomed. We don't no. need no stinking synopsis. Oh come on, it's an easy one. What the hell is taking that dog so long? Usually he's like bark, bark, bark. Let me in. Bark, bark, bark. He knows you have, you have a show to do. Yeah. The same thing my animals do to me. Who upscale estate sale? Okay, let's see what that's all about. <sighs> okay. All right, we're ready to bring it in now. Sure. Hey everybody and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro and I am joined by my usual cohorts, Dr. Bill Robinson. Actually, I am today I will be one of Ego's kidney stones. <laughs> kidney stone Bill Robinson and Scott H. Gardner. Hi. Today the, the H stands for Hi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, hi. Yeah. Hi. Okay. We'll go for that. Hi! I think we need every episode that has to be a different thing that the H stands for. <laughs> I like this idea. Oh, hallelujah. Hockey. Holy hell. If we're going to do the hallelujah, I want the chorus in that, though. So hallelujah. It'll be sung by Bill in an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. <laughs> oh, wait. Hallelujah. <laughs> and there you go. Ah, oh, beautiful. So what's what's doing with comics lately, guys? <gasps> I got some good, good swag. Am I going first? Go ahead. I really don't so, have any anything to report. Did you guys already cover the swag from um because I uh, that we got or you got from New York or no? We did. I don't think I've, I've I think you guys did. I didn't go over what I got. 
I, I have to touch on three pieces of swag that I got because, or actually four, because they are directly related to the generosity of, uh, of guests and Chewbacca. Nice. <laughs> uh, first thing but not, was... But not Chewbacca mom. Dave Pascarella showed up with the first three volumes to the Batman and Robin uh, series that had come out in, in the uh, trades. So that was, that was very cool and very much appreciated. The second thing was when we were in one of the stores, our very own Kidney Stone Bill Robinson purchased a, uh, what's called, hand solo on a uh, Tauntaun for me. And then thirdly, when we were in the city at Midtown Comics, I was going to buy a hardcover graphic novel uh, called Brian Epstein, The Fifth Beetle. And Mr. David Weeder walked up to me on the line, took it from me and paid for it. That's awesome. So that was that was all very generous, very much appreciated, and my hat's off to you people. <laughs> Go ahead, Bill. Uh, your turn. See, you... Scott thought he was going first. Now he's going third. Yeah, what the hell? I I had to run across the room. Uh, did you did you mention that? Come uh, on, be honest. You don't run. When was the last time you ran across the room? I had to. Skip last time the... you ran across the room, you fell and hit your head. I had to skip <laughs> lightly. Oh damn! I would pay money to see that. Anyway. um... Now I have these visions of Bill, like, all light and, and you know, la, 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 like, skipping through the, yeah. Little fairy winds. <laughs> la, 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 la. Did you, did you, did you, two, two. did you mention the Tauntaun? Yes, I did. Han Solo oh, on see, the Tauntaun. That, I'm sorry. That, that was, that was when I ran across the room and I, 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 cause the headphones don't reach that far. So, sorry. Uh, yeah, I got some goodies, uh, for birthday swag from Russell. Uh, I got the Blu-ray of Xanadu. Suck it, Matt Hunsworth. And <laughs> I got the Marvel Super Special number thirty-three, Buckaroo Banzai. Woohoo! Nice. I I I um, already have this as a two-issue Marvel adaptation, but this is the the one big, you know, larger than usual book, and it also has movie pictures and information in the back. So thank you, Russell. Appreciate that. Dave Pascarella. Gave me a lead figure, just like he... Well, I won't spoil Scott's in case he has not mentioned it. I have a lead figurine of Admiral Halsey. Admiral Bull Halsey. Halsey. <laughs> Excuse me, I, I just woke up from a nap. I'm a little sleepy. And... Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's it. So. <laughs> I'm always waking up from a nap. Tim Elliott also gave me a uh, manga of Speed Racer. Woohoo! Oh, yeah, you. I got something from Tim I forgot to mention, too. Go ahead, I'll just remind me when I'm when done. I don't yeah. want to leave Tim out. No, and then uh, Dave, I believe, also gave me uh, a G.I. Joe trade, a Boba Fett, and a Planet of the Apes trade. And if I have misattributed that and missed someone else, I apologize. And then while we're up there, I also bought uh, the Infinity's um, um, Epic Collection, which is the two, was it three series, Scott? Three different Star Wars in Infinite series. And Infinities? Then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's and one then, for each of the classic movies. Right, and then the um, uh, also included in that softback is the seven issues of the Star Wars, which were based off the original. That's cool. Uh, so George George Lucas uh, original screenplay. We may need to cover that series because I've heard some very not not so good reviews on it. I read the but first I'm curious to know what it has. And then also uh, in your stack of books that you were giving away, uh, Paul, I, I grabbed some goodies for myself, which I believe Scott did as well. Yep. And then uh, I had also filled at the comic book store up there. I uh, bit the bullet and paid to, filled some Avengers uh, books 
in that I needed, but none on the original, um, the classic series. But I did see an Avengers 16, but it was $70. That was actually here at Emerald City. And I was like, that's not bad. I was going to say that's, that's, I mean, it's a lot of money to lay on a comic book, but for that particular issue, that's probably not overpriced if it's in decent condition. I could have swore we saw one at Tampa Bay Comic Con last year that was 40, but I'm not sure. I don't, don't think I remember what, what, what condition it is. But you know what? It doesn't matter because we won't be going to Tampa Bay Comic Con. I was just going to say, why would you even have to mention them? But yes. Flip so the bird as, to Tampa. Yeah. Screw well, them. Well, just a con, not not the city. Yeah. So, yeah. Not know. that I'm bitter or anything. Oh, I'm no. very bitter. Yeah. That's it. Don't I'm worry. very bitter since New York stopped giving me the press pass. Mm-hmm. And then well, Eternal Con won't even like honor my request by giving me a response. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did talk to my uh, friend that works in, we'll just say the media. I don't want to give away who he is or, or what he does. And he said uh, that the, the person he had dealt with in the past was no longer there. She had moved on to another um, venue, and but that he was looking into getting some passes. Um, but And I think he was hinting that he might see what he could get. And I was like, ah, that's fine. We've already made all, alternate plans, so it's cool. So. Yep. Um, yep. Well, but, you know, on, on in their defense, at least they never said "buy again." <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> no, yes. I'm not bitter. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Don't sing that friggin' song. <laughs> Don't. Just. I like that movie. Yeah, let, it, let it go. Let it go. <sighs> Come on, it's a good fro- It's good song. Yeah. Uh huh. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Olaf the Snowman makes that movie. Look out, here comes my butt! No. (laughs) Come on, that's a funny line. Even without Arnold saying it. (laughs) So, Scott, oh, let me just throw in, uh, I forgot to mention, Tim Elliott gave me issue number seven of Not Brand Ech, which is a series that I have very fond memories of, and I Mm -hmm. appreciate that also very much. Oh, I wish I'd known that, because what was that show that we went to, Bill, that one, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't you, it was Matt Hunsworth and I, it was a a one-day show we went to. Oh, yeah, your other buddy, oh, yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh. Remember where, remember where Conjure was? Oh, yeah. At that, at that, uh, whatever the hell it was that looked like something out of, um, Conjure. Conjure, yes, where we, where we got our asses kicked by, uh. The guy from uh, from Joel at from right yeah <laughs> yeah we had this big giant room and next door they've got MST3K guys and we had what seven people. Well, across the street from that is another uh, hotel that had a convention. God, I can't even remember what the name of that. Thing I think was. it's a double day. Yeah, and Not it was just a day. one day double show. Tree. And this was this was some time ago. This was some months ago. But, uh, Matt Hunsworth and I uh, went there together. And they had a bunch of, uh, it was a, I know what it was. It was the Orlando toy and game or game and toy or whatever it was called convention. Uh, but they had a lot of comics there or maybe it was toys and comics. I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, it had toy in it is all I can remember amongst the many, uh, discounted bins that were there. I actually found the first issue of Not Brand Eck, and I want to say it was a buck. Oh, wow. That, it, as I it turns out, that's I, the only issue I have left to complete that run. Oh, so, I wish I'd picked it up. I really wish I, wish I had. I, I, wish, I wish I had known to say something to you. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was I was thinking about getting it for myself, and then I'll, I, ultimately, I don't know why I didn't just pull the trigger on it. I wish I had. For a buck, yeah. Yeah, that, that con ended up being a con of great regrets because um, – there was a guy there that also had, I think, 
Well, I don't know if he had every set. I think the reason I didn't get them all is that it wasn't a complete set, but he had many of the issues of a series. I, I didn't honestly know much about it. It just kind of caught my eye. And it was a magazine called Future, which was done by the same people that did Starlog back in the day. And he was asking, I want to say he was asking a buck, I think, a piece for him, or maybe two bucks, but they weren't expensive. They were, they were you know, very affordable. But I think the reason I didn't get, you know, the whole bunch that he had was because he didn't have the complete series. There was a there was a gap, but also it was kind of, you know, buying it sight unseen. I didn't really know what it was, but he had an issue that just kind of caught my eye because it had uh, a story about um, Walt Disney and the Man in Space series. And I thought, eh, I'll pick this up. I, li- I like the spacey cover on it. It looks kind of neat. And I, I think I got two issues, if I remember right. But anyway, I got it home and started thumbing through it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. This is right up my alley. And then I deeply regretted not buying every other issue that he had, because when I went online to, to learn more about the series and what exactly was it, it only ran for, I think, two years, maybe. So there's really not very many issues of it to collect. But the issues that there are out there are really expensive. So I wish I had just uh, gone ahead and bought them all. So like I say, a con of great regrets because there were there were a number of things I passed up that turned out I shouldn't have done. But oh, well, what can you do? But anyway, thanks for letting me go first on the swag segment. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to edit this to make it sound like you went first and you're just being nasty. <laughs> I, uh, I only have one thing to brag about, but what a brag. I think this is really, really, really cool. Look, so we don't care about you your know, I'm just tempted to, as you go into it, to, to all of a sudden have it go, thank you for listening to our show. Oh, what a dick. <laughs> so I got a nice message recently from uh, a good friend of mine. And it was basically like, hey, I have this thing and uh, I, don't, I can't really get rid of it. Do you want it type of thing? And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, that sounds cool. I will take that. And then as I want to do, because shiny things pass my vision all the time, I quickly forgot about it, you know, that we'd ever even had this conversation. So a couple of days ago, this item shows up in the mail and I open it. And I'm like, what is this? And I open it up and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I I'd just completely forgotten. So all the way from the wilds of Franklin, Tennessee, due to my good friend Trey Hooks, who I really hope listens to this show. I'm honestly not sure that Trey listens to this. I I know Trey because Trey is uh, a faithful listener to Earning My Ears, which (laughs) unfortunately hasn't had an episode out in like a year now. Um, But I got to meet Trey uh, and his very nice family. They uh, were vacationing at Disney not long ago and actually staying at my resort. So I actually got to meet them. Uh, Heck of a nice guy. Really nice family. Anyway, the item that arrived in the mail for me is really super cool. This is Justice League of America, the original series. Are you ready for this? Number 14. And uh, this is now the earliest issue of Justice League of America that I have. I'm not sure. Let's see. Does it say what year? Yeah, here it is right here. It is uh, 1962. Wow. So it it looks like it's in fantastic condition. It looks really cool. I've never read this particular story. I'm really looking forward to it. But here's the, the thing that's kind of funny about this. I don't know if he mentioned this in the original note that he sent me or not. I can't remember. But when it arrived, I was really surprised to find out that this is actually slabbed and graded. It is actually uh, slabbed by CGC. 
I have never owned a CGC book before. So I am extremely thankful to Trey for such the, uh, you know, I mean, a very generous and, and wonderful gift. But I do have a question. How the hell do you open this thing? You don't. You can't. No, that's the Once thing. Once you open it, the whole CGC thing is done. But see, here's the thing. And, and I, I, I want to preface this by saying, again, this is a wonderful gift. But I want to read this. I want to pop this sucker open for so many reasons. Yeah, because but don't. one, I want to read it. But also, here's the thing. I, I've never been, um, I've never really understood the whole CGC thing. I, I agree with you. I understand that. But what, what is it CGC rated anyway? 4.5. Okay, so it's not, you know, it's not a uh, like a near mint book or anything. It's but, near fine. But once, once you, once you open it up, that rating no longer counts. Right. And the whole process is was just done for nothing. Right. So I would say read it in some other format and just be happy you have a copy of the book. I would only I would only send out to CGC anything if it's a book where I feel like it has such value that I wouldn't be opening it to read it anyway to preserve it. Uh, but if it's already been CGC rated, I, I, I wouldn't break the seal on that either. I would just keep it in that form and I would find another way to read it and, you know, in a digital copy or something and i would just sit and stare at the cover lovingly this is the issue where the adam joins the justice league that's pretty rich it's number 14 14 yeah has a really super wacky cover on it where a mysterious hand is rolling he says it's a bowling ball but it just looks like a like a hamster ball with the adam inside of it and you have the Justice Leaguers all lined up like 10 pins and the mysterious hand, there's a thought bubble coming from it so that says, when I bowl over the Justice League members, the explosion will blast them to smithereens. <laughs> says the Atom joins the Justice League of America in menace of the Atom Bomb. Oh God, what a horrible pun. That's a terrible pun. <laughs> but it's a really nice cover. It's by Murphy Anderson, story by what, Gardner Fox. Isn't that what the Atom does when he goes to the comedy club? He's the atom bomb. He's um, the atom bomb. Yeah. Um, hmm. For me, slapping a book is kind of like the whole Twilight Zone episode where Burgess Meredith can't read the books because he breaks his glasses. Right. Well, <laughs> here's here's the thing. I'm I'm going to I'm going to talk to Trey and see how Trey feels about the idea of cracking the sucker open, and then if he's cool with it, then I might actually throw it open to the listeners because I would actually like to do. I don't know if, if a whole show would be warranted, but I would like to do at least like a segment sometime about CGC and, and get the three of us our personal opinions, but also solicit opinions from the listenership because I've never been down with it. My understanding, and, and this is strictly my understanding, I could be dead wrong and I'm, and I'm willing to be corrected on this, but my understanding is essentially it's the biggest scam that's ever been pulled in comics because these guys set themselves up as the you know the the final say and the arbiters of grade and i i just think there's something fishy about the whole thing yeah and I, I think we could have a meaty discussion on that and i don't disagree with you but i would i would strongly vote to leave it slabbed okay interesting i have strong feelings on the matter and i'm afraid if i voice them if my friend that owns the local comic store finds out <laughs> we may not be friends <laughs> <laughs> okay that's my I think you know how I feel about it after saying right. that. I, I, yeah, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but, you know, what's done is done is kind of the way I'm looking at it. Right, I see. Regardless, oh, in there, I would yeah. not have sent that book to get it slabbed. Hopefully that much I could tell you as, as, as an absolute. I mean, I've often 
teetered back and forth getting my Avengers number one slab just to make money on it because I have number one and other co- other other forms. You know, and because from, because you're very unlikely to ever crack that one open to read it, just because you don't yes. do any damage to it. Right. So I mean, I do, but you know, I I've got like the out of the first ten issues, a lot of them are really in fairly good condition, and I could slab them all and maybe make some money on it. But it's like I don't know if I I, I don't know. I can't bring myself to do it. I just can't. I can't. I can't do it. That you know, it just occurred to me that I'm trying to remember the actual issue. I want to say it's Showcase 34, I think. I actually have that. So that means I have both the first appearance of the Silver Age Adam and now the issue where he joins the Justice League. So I'm I'm slowly amassing a uh, important issues of the Adam collection <laughs> without really trying. So that's that's pretty cool, oh. but... What I meant to say, though, was, uh, again, thank you so much to Trey. Um, this is awesome. This is really, really cool. Um, uh, this is going to have a special place in my collection. So I, thank you very much. I had one more shout-out in swag that I uh, I don't remember if I had mentioned it on this show or in another conversation, and that was to Kirk uh, Greenfield for the copy of um, The Godfather that he sent to me <laughs> in, in paperback from our... Um, did I mention that on that email? That, that's Where a Whitman. That, that I'm not sure Whitman reprint, that he right? gave you a copy of it. So, And I know I posted a thank you on Facebook because he sent me that Submariner Human Torch yeah. uh, trade. Uh, but I don't think I mentioned it on the show at all. So I want to give a, a thank you to Kirk on that as well. Yeah. That's a very cool gift because uh, I actually bought the, the 12 issues of the saga of the submariner out of the 50 cent bins i had to hunt for them i'm still hunting uh other issues of that saga the human torch and they're they're both in the one trade yeah that's that's cool that's really cool because that that uh submariner one is actually really good it has some nice art in it yeah Submariner is the king of the deep and it's is it roy thomas the writer on both series i think so yes ah that's some good stuff it's gonna take you like a year to read it but yeah it takes it takes me a couple months to sit down and start reading some things (laughs) but it is in the to read pile i'm looking forward to reading it i have several issues of the submariner part of that but i don't have any of the human torch issues and I don't have the complete run of the 12 issues of Submariner, so having it all in the book is great. Right. Yeah, I, I had no idea that that had been traded until I saw your post about getting the trade. That's actually really cool. Well, now that we've wallowed in our swag... <clears throat> that sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we are. We're disgusting people. We are. You know, I was just, as I was telling you guys before we got recording, I was just listening to... As of this recording, the episode that's uh, just recently gone up, the backyard episode, and we really are some depraved human beings. <laughs> but in a good way. Hey, I was <laughs> passing on some helpful health tips to people. Why you should not get kidney stones. Here you go. I have issues one and issues four of Saga of the Human Torch, so I know how it starts oh, you... and I know how it ends, and I can just make up shit for the middle. So there oh, you go. Oh, you got you got issues. That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you want to cover a couple of comics here? Sure. I have, I have two copies of number five and number seven and number eight of Saga of the Submariner, Paul. If uh, if you need any of those, I'll for tell you. you which ones I have. Hang on. As long as we're... I think I used to have that. I don't remember if I still have the whole thing. Don't ask me where the hell they are, but according to my database, I have 
doubles of those particular issues. I have number one and number seven. Cool. So you need you need five and eight. I okay. will I will see if I can dig them up. The mail is backing up, but we're gonna do books first. Maybe mail if we have time. Hey, before we go any further, I just realized is my can you hear my fan at all? Is my fan loud? You don't have any fans. <laughs> oh. I just hear this one guy going, Yay, Scott. <laughs> Scott, rah, rah. I know just who that guy is, too. And he's and he's holding up a lighter. <laughs> and you're going, not near my comic books. What the hell's wrong with you? Play Freebird, man. <laughs> Play some Skinner. Frampton. Frampton Dad's <laughs> Frampton Dad's Still can't believe, it. yeah. Chewbacca mom can catch on, but Frampton. Oh, uh, don't, don't, oh, don't even, no. don't even get me started. No Frampton uh, dance. I knew that. I was hoping that was gonna know, be your ticket, man. When when we didn't hear from you, <laughs> it was gonna be your ticket to what? <laughs> Bellevue. <laughs> can I have a nice rest? Lucky, <sighs> lucky that Ben and Logan didn't call some some psychiatric ward. <laughs> oh my God. Ben has been driving me crazy because we drove around with Hero and Hero and I were doing the the Will Sasso Arnold, you know, look, it's like we're in the alien space maze. Drop the bomb, get out, kaboom! I swear to God, it's all Ben is. That's what. That's the one thing he took from from New York was drop the bomb, get out, kaboom, 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 kaboom. I'm like, all right, already, all right. <laughs> You're driving me crazy. Like every time we get in the car, he's like, it's like the alien space maze. Okay, Ben. All right. Why is there not an Arnold's GPS voice? Come on, turn left, turn right. Ah, you missed your turn. It really should be. That would be awesome. That's that would be so much better than the than the uh, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Actually, there was one that uh, there was a video for that where these guys had had one. It was like, and they turn. I saw it a while ago on YouTube, and it it, it was hilarious. It, because there's no directions, there's just grunting. And the guy's like doing all these quick, sharp turns. <laughs> That's so stupid, it's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Isn't it, that should be the tagline for our show. <laughs> I think that is the tagline for our show. Okay. So did you, oh, you know, just one more thing before we get to comics. Did you see now that, that the, the Back to the Bins memorabilia is, is active online now? Sweet. There's oh. some good swag in there. There is. It's a little pricey. Shh. I, I would think at least it would get some sort of employee discount. <laughs> I was wondering about that. Because I, I, I feel bad that, you know, I don't have a Back to the Bin shirt because I can't afford it. <laughs> oh, I could say something, but I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm just assuming it would be negative Cause, to cause me. I, so. cause I, no, 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 because I need my job, so I'm just going <laughs> to... Uh, okay, yeah, you know. Some of us do need to work. Some of us can't afford to be fired tomorrow. So Dick, you're fired. So let's do some comics, because then I'd like to read some emails before we call it a night. Cool. Uh, Bill, you want to go first, or you want to go second? Your choice. Since we're both uh, doing Marvels, it doesn't matter. I, I can go first. I, I got mine up right here. All right. My, my book, that is. Oh, indulge yourself. You, you have the dog out? <laughs> oh, wait, did I let him? Oh, yeah, the, yeah, he's over there. He's late. No, I don't have the dog. Oh, very funny. I get it. Comet's laying over there in the garage. Which since I'm by myself, all by myself. Synopsize already. Jesus, man, what a grump. Hold on, I'm try- I I got a belch working up. I'm trying to get it out without. Really, you know. really. <laughs> See, there it is. I got it out quietly. Classy. That's us. You, you had to announce it so that 
any quietness you don't get credit for. The way, there's still people setting off fireworks? My God, you people, it's the seventh! Enough already! That's what happens when I live in Redneckville. Uh, any of the, uh, please forward all hate mail to Bill Robinson, care of Back to the Bids. All right, my book that I brought tonight is Silver Surfer, Volume 3, number 22. And it was on sale. This comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. And it was on sale in December 20th, 1988. Wow. And I was not in the Navy yet. <laughs> I was six months away from going to the Navy. I think I was still doing a stint at junior college, working at the pizza place. Yep, yep. How about you, Scott? I was 20 and a half. So let me see. I was I was in the service, yeah. Mm. And Paul, you were That is very likely the the Christmas that I spent on the fr- on the flight line freezing my nuts off. I was going to say I was gonna, I thought you were going to say I was on the front lines. I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't have both my legs blown off in Nam, so I could sit here and read damn Silver Surfer comics. Let me tell you right now. 1988 we're talking here? Yeah. December 1988. December of 88. I would be in my second year of law school. Wow. Wow. Make me feel like so I'm so unaccomplished in my life. <laughs> Thanks. If, Thanks, man. In, in all fairness, <laughs> if anybody's looking at me and it's making them feel inadequate, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> you know, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> well, my point being, I, I don't think I'm the guy to be jealous of. So anyway, it is also it has a cover date of April 1989, which uh, who, who cares? That was four months later. But anyway, and it was on sale for a dollar, a dollar. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> and it sports the lovely cover by Ron Lim and Jeff Rubenstein. Hey, I think I said that right. Which has Ego sneaking up behind the Silver Surfer. And the Silver Surfer looks like he's had a rough night out at a party the night before. And Ego's about ready to give him a wedgie, a little silver wedgie. And um, I don't know, it looks like a Pac-Man cover to me. Like he goes, he goes, got a little schmutz on his face, or he needs to, you know, maybe he's got some eczema, or he needs to see. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's he's looking a little rough. And our story is uh, Monsters from the Ego, written by Steve Englehart. So we know it's going to be a little, maybe a little deep. Although surprisingly, in this one, not too much. Penciler Ron Lim, inker Tom K. Christopher, letterer Ken Bruzenak. And the colorist is Tom Vincent. And uh, I have not written a synopsis. Insert, no. insert groaning here. <sighs> I don't have to insert groaning. Everybody listening is groaning. But pretty much, if I can get into the page, pretty much the porn sites are doing right now. Hey, the Silver Surfer. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I not muted? No. Stop that. Stop that. We can hear that. Ooh. I like Hey, hey, you, you, uh, yeah, you that went over to porn. Pay attention. I'm synopsizing Ooh, Look at the here. size of her ego. <laughs> so the Silver Surfer is. Was that your about... stomach? No. What was that sound? That was a motorcycle, though, like a little uh-huh. moped. <laughs> <laughs> it was. The dog did it, right? <laughs> you go, let me start my synopsis and I hear. In the ba- yeah, okay. He was just leaning over and, and doing that on his own belly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Keep it classy. Back to the bins. Uh, that see now you threw me off my synopsis. <laughs> yeah, that's what ruined it. 
So the Silver Surfer is going about his business in the state in the spaceways when uh, on, on the two page spread, <laughs> he just kind of sneaks up. Be- it, it's amazing a planet could get that close to the Silver Surfer that he has no uh, just no, you know, I, I thought he has had some cosmic senses. So anyway, he's he's under attack by the by the living planet who basically decides to swallow him. Robs him of his board so he can't fly <laughs> and uh, sucks him to the surface of the planet and knocks the Silver Surfer out by bouncing him off of another force field, which I don't know if I should bring these things up now, but since when can a, when can a planet generate a force field? I mean, maybe control some magnetic lines of force, but he, I don't know. Ego's just making these force fields. But I don't know. He's an elder of the universe. He can do anything. So, Ego basically says, you know, since Galactus slapped this engine on me, um, then shot my ass off in the space, uh, I've since then learned how to control it, but it cost me energy. So now, just like Galactus, I have to consume things in order to, to maintain my level of energy, and I'm going to eat you. And he swallows the Silver Surfer, who... Uh, finally, it starts to work his way out through um, lava and oil fields. I don't know if they're trying to say something about, you know, eco stuff in this. But uh, he eventually makes his way out of the planet, rocketing himself. He, he learns a, a new way to fly uh, by shooting uh, cosmic power from his hands and propelling himself forward into space. Which, if Ego had that uh, uh, force fields, I don't know where the Silver Surfer thought he was going. But anyway, he ends up throwing him back down to the surface and the surfer discovers the uh, engine that was strapped onto the back of Ego. And once inside, he's able to power it up, ju- juice it up nice and fast and basically tells Ego he's going to, and this is a tribute to you, Scott. He's going to throw Ego into the sun. Awesome. <laughs> and the, the, the one page where... Ego's about ready to go into the sun. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then finally goes, stop. I and... regret nothing. <laughs> so um, basically the surfer says, you know, you know, basically rubs it in his face and takes off. And... Bad ego, bad, bad. Did you do that? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's rubbing his nose in it. You, you, yeah. I, how do you, man, what was he rubbing his face in, you know? <laughs> another planet uh so he basically reads ego the right act you know no world should seek to destroy life ego it is a function of worlds to nurture blah 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 eco crap <laughs> uh, but i am ego the largest most intelligent in the end all infinity i cannot adore blah 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 wham 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 i'm ego and basically, the surfer leaves him stuck in a in this solar system, and he goes off and just through his cosmic senses. Now he can tell that a planet has been moved in the solar system, encompassing Earth, but yet he couldn't realize there was a giant planet sneaking up on him in the beginning of this. But anyway, off the surfer goes, saying, "I must investigate, but who knows what I shall find?" And it's continued in Fantastic Four three twenty five, and it says next month in the Silver Surfer. Alien. And that's it. See? I can synopsize that pretty good. There wasn't much to it. It was just a big fight, you know. That actually I, was pretty good, Bill. I'll, 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 be, I'll be honest and say that was a decent <laughs> synopsis for an unwritten one. So, yeah, because I read it like three or four times just to make sure I wasn't going to babble on. <laughs> well, Babylon, I mean... Babylon! Babylon! No. Oh, sorry. So, 
I've I really liked this era of the Silver Surfer. I did not I was not into it at the time it was coming out. It was later when I went in, in the Navy, and I remember being in a bookstore and seeing some back issues with all the elders of the universe because it was during this time that uh, Galactus had eaten a lot of the elders of the universe, but eventually gave them indigestion and he had to basically throw them all back up. Kind of. Yeah, I hate it when that happens. It's like Grandmaster, contemplate, yeah. Well, that's kind of what happened. I mean, if I just synopsized like the f- like first two years of the book, I think. But anyway, um, yeah, that opening shot, I like that shot of ego. That's that's that's. Although I don't know why he has a honeycomb forehead. Honeycomb. Yeah, what's up it, with that? Come to yeah, the yeah. honeycomb hideout. <laughs> Big. They're not small. No, no, no. They're on ego's <laughs> head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ego's got a great big bite. And why does a planet have a beard? Because he doesn't want people to know what he really thinks. <laughs> He's got all those moons floating around him. One of them looks like a set of horns there on that opening splash. And Ego's got a big nose. I guess that would be a mountain. <laughs> I don't want to know where the oceans are. Ooh. On the cover, he's got a nice little tiny nose. Yeah, but not now. Well, it's, it's a different... Little button nose. Little button nose Ego. Yeah, Ego's a dick, though. Well, I guess a name like Ego, what what else are you going to be? Yeah, he, he is kind of dickish. Yeah. I'm going to eat you. <laughs> I thought this was a good story. I, I never read this one. This this was one of the books that came out in my, uh, you know, my when I was uh, on sabbatical from comics. And, oh, so uh, have you read any of these? Uh, precious few. Oh, so then, well, I don't know if I really spoiled what happened, you know, that with Galactus and the... Uh, and the elders of the universe and stuff. Did, did you know about that? No, but that's that's okay. It's it's, it's what is this? Twenty years ago? Oh, I would start 30, reading. almost thirty years ago. I think I can handle being spoiled on it. Because I think this was about. Uh, I want to say it's like around Silver Surfer number forty-seven or fifty when the Infinity Gauntlet stuff starts, right, Scott? I've read the Infinity Gauntlet stuff. Uh, let's see, Infinity. I have one ish. No, a couple issues that are Infinity Gauntlet crossovers. Uh, 57, 58, and 59 are all crossovers. So, yeah, in the... In the oh, okay, maybe it's issue 50s. 50 when, when he first encounters uh, th- th- Thanos before the Infinity Gauntlet stuff. Could be. That could very well be. Yeah, I, I only have uh, just a small handful of issues of Silver Surfer, and I think I've only ever read um, four of them. Because I, I bought number one of this series when it when it debuted i bought it off the stands and while i liked it 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 didn't it didn't exactly rock my world i've never i don't dislike the surfer but i've never been a huge fan of him either Uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact the last page in this issue that you just covered is a perfect illustration of why i've had a lot of trouble getting into silver surfer he never shuts the hell up who yeah, there is, is he talking to? Well, this entire page was, is nothing but dialogue, and there's no, he's not talking to anybody. He's well, he's just monologue. I thought about that because because that was one of my notes that I had was that I thought thought the same thing. It's like okay, who are you talking to? But really, I guess they could have see this was back before we had thought bubbles. No, right, they had thought bubbles. Yeah, but still, it seems like not they had like thought bubbles had, way way back. And and this but not, but this not with, of thought bubbles in this book before Bill had thought bubbles. What? But I but it's it's almost like he's speaking because maybe he's a little loopy. He's been out there in space. He's got nobody else to talk to, and he wants to hear his own voice. But he's in space, so how can he even hear himself talking? There's no sound. 
<laughs> that's how crazy the Silver Surfer is. He's just sitting there moving his mouth, and there's there's no there's no sound or nothing. He's just talking. From the so, point where the uh, the flood of molten lava comes in, it's all thought bubbles. Molten lava. It was lava. It was locusts. What happened to his shorts? His Silver Surfer shorts. Yeah, is he gone commando now? Oh, he's yeah, he's totally. Commando. Oh yeah. He's GI. He's he's GI Joe with lifelike hair. <laughs> with, more, with more likely with the kung fu grip. So you got a naked surfer rough frolicking around inside ego. La, 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 la. I don't need to be seeing little Norin. You know what I'm saying? Just I'm not yeah. sure there is a little Norin. To me, oh, my board. Oh, it snapped <laughs> off. Maybe his yeah, board is his penis. Maybe you wonder why Shalabal is not around anymore. <laughs> maybe he's riding his penis around. It hmm. dropped off and extended into a board. That's why he's always. That's why he can't do anything but his board. I love the, the shot of Ego's face as he starts heading towards the sun. Oh, shit. He's, he's like, he looks like one of those mad balls. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if his face is in the front and the rocket's in the rear, does that mean Galactus shoved the rocket up his ass? It's like he's farting. <laughs> it's powered by helium. He really is just like the universe's biggest mad ball. I never really thought about that before, but you're absolutely right. Ego versus Mogo. So, so like that rocket is kind of like a Galactus enema. <laughs> Metal enema. I thought this was a cool story, honestly. I, I don't want to Oh, make yeah, it no, I mean, we're having fun Especially with it. Especially for a done-in-one. Yeah. You know, well, I, I mean, it was a little bit of... They, they do touch on the ongoing storyline a little bit, but but that's really minor. Um in, in the book and you kind of see some of the stuff that e ego can do where he's like he's terraforming he's changing his his own surface to to repair damage or to fight the surfer he's got the an antibodies that are like fish in the uh, oil stream that um the surfer's going through mm -hmm. i mean it's it's you know you you get a little i don't know if there's been many I don't remember many books that really delved into e ego's ecosystem i remember one run on thor in the mid-70s, where he and Hercules are in a battle with, with Ego, along with Galactus, actually. I think that's when Galactus so gave when the engine the, got uh, slapped on him? The engine. And I remember them being on the surface, and he was able to form, like, these humanoid oh, I think I figures that. That, that would actually fight them. Mm. But I, I always found the Ego to be kind of an interesting character, you know, just kind of a, the, the whole concept of a living planet. But I, I, would, I would imagine them, you know... Blaine Dowler can tell me if I'm wrong. I would imagine if you did have a planet that was somehow alive or a living being the size of a planet, it would not have a surface with as many similarities to what we're used to uh, as, as Ego does. Or a giant human-like face. Or a giant human-like face, yeah, with mm -hmm. a beard and all. It might be more like Mogo. You guys know who Mogo is, Yeah, right? from the Green yeah. Lantern. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Just, just making sure. Mogo versus Ego. Cage match. Solar system. No, well, I would think the lantern ring would be enough to put Mogo over the top. I don't know. Ego's got that engine. He could just turn around and blast him. <laughs> Ego came back and was used to pretty good effect in the Nova series that spun out of um, Annihilation. Nova. He was pretty cool in that. Oh, yeah? Was he? Uh, did they make him one of the, the, the Nova Corps? They had a giant hat for him? <laughs> <laughs> it was something where... In order uh, to, because hold still, we got to fit this hat. Damn it! Well, because Nova became the the repository for the world mind. Of, Excuse me, the what? 
Oh, I thought you said depository. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you said suppository. Suppository. Yeah, sorry about what's that. What's the What's the Nova World? The Nova uh, Nova oh, Prime. Was, yeah. What's What's the name of that? I'm totally blanking. Xandar. Out. Xandar. Xandar. Yeah. So he became the repository for the world mind of Xandar when Xandar was destroyed in Annihilation. And Ego did. No, no, Nova no, did. Nova oh, did. yeah, yeah, and yeah. At some and, and point, it was kind of burning him out, up, right? Because yeah, and it at, holding so much. So at one point, he actually dumped Worldmind into Ego, <laughs> and then it, the Worldmind started to act kind of funky and everything. And over time, it was eventually revealed that Ego reasserted his ego, his 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 own personality. And was subverting the world mind, and that's why, like all this stuff, bad stuff was happening with e- with uh, Nova and everything. It was it was a pretty good story. I liked. It and a lot. he became super ego. Oh, sorry. <laughs> became id. <laughs> I don't hear a lot of people talk about that uh, that Nova series, but I, I thought that was good stuff. That, yeah, that was I, I agree. I, I enjoyed that. that, and it was it was a nice follow up to Annihilation. Yeah, that uh, that Annihilation series, and and especially the follow up the. What was the second one called? Annihilation. Uh, hmm. uh, I can't remember. But anyway, the second I forget. one. forget. Between the two of those, though, that really, that kind of turned me on to the. Was it Annihilation Conquest? Stuff. Conquest. That was it. Yeah, that really turned me on to the cosmic stuff for really the first time. Up up to that point, I'd always found Marvel Cosmic a little little dry and not really to my to my liking. But now, having read that and gotten interested in the cosmic side uh things like this the silver surfer series really interests me to go back one of these days and and dive into it better and try to get a better feel for some of the things that happen well dive in brother there's like 146 issues i believe yeah you see i don't i don't think to me and i obviously i don't want to put words in your mouth because you feel however you feel about it but to me I, i don't think it's so much that it's dry as it is a little difficult to get a, a hold of initially right i think yeah. once you get a hold of it then it's it's good reading right and you know it, it's it's almost like the debate we had about where to start with the hulk mm. because i feel like marvel cosmic if you're introduced to it in small bunches it kind of co it, it kind of coalesces fairly easily you know I, my my initial experience with marvel cosmic was in reading back issues of the fantastic four and and you know, learning of the the Cree Sentry, and then Ronin in the next issue, and then you know, just kind of building on it from there with the Silver Surfer and Galactus, and you know, it, it just kind of a it, it went nice and slow instead of just being hit with this giant cosmic side of the universe, right? And I think it meant made it fairly easy for me to get into, and then I started reading at the time uh, was when Thanos was really pretty much a new character. And he was fighting Captain Marvel at the time, right? along with the Avengers. So that kind of hooked me into the Marvel Cosmic fairly early in its, uh, in its creative process. So I never found it all that difficult to get into. Right. So that, that's why, like I said, my feeling is not so much that it's dry, but that if you got to it later than that, there's just so much going on and so much to absorb to understand that it's uh, you know, not, not intimidating, but just a, little, just a little much to get a hold of. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I can buy that. You wrap that planet-sized head around it. <laughs> I do have a large cabeza. <laughs> a loco en cabeza ego. Cabeza grande. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we going to grade it? You want me to grade? You're the guy. Yours? It's your book. My book. My book. Well, it's been so long since I've had a book, I forgot what we what we did here. I guess the dog wants me to grade it. 
He's like, get on with it. Uh, the cover mm, is it iconic. I don't know if it's iconic, but it's it's eye catching. Um, I like the look of Ego sneaking up, getting ready to eat the surfer. Uh, Ego's pretty ominous looking. Uh, I'm I I like Ron Lim as well, who does the interior art. Uh, I'm gonna say for the cover, I give it an A. Uh, the interior art. It, you know, we've got some good shots, like the opening one of Ego, the one where he's going to get tossed into the sun, um, all the stuff on the planet. Uh, moves the story along pretty good, although in some of the space scenes, it's a little bit busy. Like, wow, there's a lot going on everywhere. It's like, is there any blackness in space or is it all just, you know? Eh, so I'm going to bump it down probably to B plus for the art and the story for a nice quick one and done. Um it keeps your attention. It, it touches a little bit on the ongoing and then, you know, leads it leads it to a cliffhanger, uh, you know, to 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 reel you into the next one. So I'm going to give it a probably a B minus for the story. So overall, it's about a B plus book for me. All right. Um, I'm going to differ with you a little bit on the artwork on the cover. I, I, I like Ron Lim. So that's just well, so do I. Yeah, that's that's not going to be the issue. Oh. Uh, I like the way the surfer is drawn on the cover. I don't like the way Ego is drawn. I think, uh, first of all, I think he kind of has derp face. Uh, and I, I don't like the detail work on him. I, I don't think he looks that good. So overall, I think it's a good cover. I think there's no, in my mind, there's no question that it is not iconic. Um, I'm going to well, just say a B on the cover. Well, he's a planet, though. So how can you, I mean, how I much detail could, do you I think want? he could be drawn better. <laughs> That's all. I'm, I'm okay. not. I'm not arguing with the character model. Excuse me. I'm not arguing with the character model. I what just you, think. I think it could be better drawn. You're hitting the hooch there. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, doing yeah. my Foster Brooks. <laughs> That's what Ego's doing. I'm ready to surfer. Ego Brooks. So you know, for the cover, I'm going to give it a B. I, I think it could be a little better. I think Ego could look better, and that would make the whole cover better. I'm also not totally crazy with the color palette on Ego on the cover. Um, the interior art, however, I think is better than the cover, and I'm giving some of the credit for that to Tom Christopher and the inks. Uh, I think he, you know, he did a lot of detail work here that either was bringing Ron Ron Lim's Ron Lim's image to, uh, you know, rendering it the way it should be, or possibly even helping to add detail to it. So I'm going to say an A minus on the interior art, and story wise, done in one, pretty. Fast read, pretty enjoyable read, made sense as it went along. I don't really have an issue with all the uh, thought balloons and all, uh, or word balloons for that matter, in the other panels. So I'm going to give the story a B plus, and I'm going to give the book overall a B plus. Hmm. Someone's scratching. <laughs> it is not me. Um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's still not me. Not me. So, cover. Uh, cover, I think I'm going to go a C+. I really like it, but it has some issues. A lot of the issues have to do with the coloring. I, I agree with Paul. The colors don't do a lot for me. Plus, I don't, I'm not really a fan of the uh, logo for the Silver Surfer here. That, that weird, like, neon type of thing that they're going for is just bizarre I, I don't know what's up with that uh, but not i mean not a bad cover but just 
Yeah, it's a, it's a little wonky. Uh, interior art, I really like. I, as well, really like Ron Lim a lot. I like his stuff. Uh, I think he's a really, really good artist. I'm not familiar with Tom Christopher, but uh, just judging between the cover and the interior, yeah, I'm with Paul. I like the interior inks a lot better. And I like Joel Rubenstein, so it's kind of weird. Um, but my one problem with the art is uh, a problem I have with a lot of this pre-annihilation Marvel cosmic stuff is that, you know, a lot of times I wonder, do these people really have a feel for what outer space is really like? Because everywhere you look in the space scenes, and I, I mean, I'm flipping back and forth in this, and I can't find one panel of space stuff that is not just littered with, with planets. planets. And well, that makes the first me... page. Uh, yeah. they, they could be asteroids. Those are planets. Uh, they're a little they're a little or too orb-like if they're supposed to be asteroids or or whatever. I think they're supposed to be planets. I think they like floating meatballs. <laughs> it's just, you know, you can't have that many bodies of significant size in outer space that close to each other it's just that it doesn't work that way it's like a two true freaks gathering oh sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, it's yeah it it really doesn't but you know this being comics and this is also a, a big deal with ego himself is that they often would not take into account you know like when ego would come to earth for example and menace the earth you know if you had an actual planet suddenly come within a significant distance of earth it's gonna just i mean can you say annihilation yeah exactly (laughs) it would it would wreak havoc on the surface of our planet yet it happens and doesn't really seem to affect anything so why because comic books it's comics yeah exactly so (laughs) i'm trying to give it a pass for that but yeah it is you know it is kind of annoying but beyond that i i really do like this art uh I, I always liked Ron Lim. I think he's a, a really good artist. So interior art, I think I would go. I think I'll go a solid. Uh, I think I'll go a solid B on the art because I really do like it. it. It could use a little bit of refinement. And again, the colors not the greatest. Uh, I'm not real crazy about the colors, but it's it's pretty good. And the story, uh, I think I will go a solid. Uh, I think I'll go a solid A on the story because I really like Steve Englehart. He he tells a good story, and in this particular case, he tells a solid uh, uh, done in one story. So yeah, I like I like Englehart. He's actually one of my uh, my more favored um, comics writers. So yeah, pretty good issue as an as an overall grade. I, I'd say a solid uh, say solid B. It's a good B book. Hmm. B book for Bill. B for Bill. Bill brings the B. All right, so we might as well move on to our second book for the day. Sure. Wait, 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 wait. Taken... And, and so you, I got a book. You got a book, Paul. Scott, you got a book? I do not have a book. Oh, okay. I knew we didn't have time for a third book. Tonight, oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Why yeah, should I bother? He was prescient. That was it. Yes. I was considerate. Hmm. That's a first. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> right here. What are you pointing us on? Oh, <laughs> yes, I am. He's letting the dog out. <laughs> it's one of them little tiny wiener dogs. Oh, sorry. Ooh. Wiener schnitzel. Put your schnitzel away. We don't <laughs> want any Vienna sausages here. So I'm bringing us back way back to October of 1974 for Whoa. Luke Cage Power Man number 21. 
Covers by another Ron, only not Lim, Wilson this time, along with Frank Giacoya, and it shows Power Man versus Power Man. There are some superfluous word balloons on it, with the only worthwhile words being the actual title of the story, which is The Killer With My Name. And basically it shows them kind of in a weird fighting pose, where Cage is throwing a punch and still manages to have his back to him, while, while the other Power Man has him by the other arm and... Looks like somebody somebody would be hurting their back in that one, but whatever. <laughs> Nothing homoerotic about it. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that, but okay. <laughs> anyway, by way of background, the original Power Man is Eric Jostin, who is now known as Atlas from the Thunderbolts. He was introduced in Avengers number 21 in 1965. He was a mercenary that was exposed to the same treatment that created Wonder Man, and he was similarly, similarly powered to Wonder Man at that time. One of those ionic-powered guys. And as you can imagine, he's gone through many, many changes over the years. But at the time of this appearance, he was kind of little more than a C-list villain. And again, the title of the issue is The Killer With My Name. It's written by Tony Isabella. Plot assist is credited to Len Wein. And I got a guess that Len Wein said, Hey, you got a guy named Power Man. There's a villain named Power Man. Why don't you have them fight? But make sure you give me a credit when it's done. Mm-hmm. It's drawn by Ron Wilson and inked by everyone's favorite, Vince Coletta, colored by S. Goldberg, and edited by Roy Thomas. The story I, opens I, with... I, what's that? I just, I just wanted to say one thing about how they did the credits. I think that's pretty cool before we pass by it and I forget it. The way that the credits are on the, the newspaper that Power Man throws down. Yep, I was going to make mention of that. Oh, sorry. All right, that's I'll okay. Shut up, man. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Story opens with a dude in an overcoat and a fedora raging over a newspaper headline. He punches a lamppost, but instead of breaking his hand, the pole buckles. The headline that he was reading says, Power Man busts drug ring. And as Bill mentioned, the credits to the the creators of this book are all uh, in that same newspaper front page. So Luke Cage strolls Times Square, tiara and all, and he buys flowers to give to Claire Templeton. You know, the woman Rosario Dawson is playing in the Marvel Netflix shows. He gets to her clinic and she's gone. Does he buy him from like evil or 80s Aunt May? I mean, what is that? What is it? Ooh, that's a scary looking lady. It's kind of an Aunt May. It's, it's what's it? Remember when we did the, the Deadpool issue and uh, oh. Blind, Blind Al? Yep, there you go. Looks kind of like Blind Al. So uh, he gets to uh, Claire's clinic and she's gone, but she's left him a Dear Luke letter. So he throws the flowers on the floor for someone else to clean up and mopes away. Now all the while, up, all the while he's roughing up Jimmy Carter. Yeah, it's, it's true. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Yeah, Luke, yeah. I can't. I can't do Jimmy Carter. I can even try. So now he's all riled up and ready for, for some action, and he comes across a rich-looking lady who's walking a hound from hell that senses his anger and breaks his leash and attacks him. He gives Cerebus a beatdown, and the woman yells at him for being so rough. It's Poopsie. Yeah, the dog's name is Poopsie. Now, how does... I'm not sure exactly how he breaks the leash because she's holding it and it actually snaps. You would think it would pull out of her hand before it would snap, but it does. So after after beating down the dog, Luke trudges to his apartment over the local theater, which is showing a Van Heflin double feature of Shane and 310 to Yuma. Luke is up in his apartment, wallowing in self-pity when he hears a scream. Luke goes to investigate and finds the other Power Man who wants to fight for the right to use the name. The two battle using theater items as weapons, 
and are pretty evenly matched, but then Luke comes across a young girl who had hidden behind some seats when, excuse me, had, who had hidden behind some seats when the threat arose. Luke picks her up to carry her to safety, but the villainous Power Man hits him with a light bar, causing him to drop the girl. Luke is infuriated by the lack of concern for an innocent girl, and he holds his ground and doesn't even flinch when hit with a rolled up movie screen, and makes fairly quick work of his adversary at that point. Before the villain loses consciousness, Cage warns him never to use the name Power Man again, and that said he gives the young girl a ride on his shoulders to go get some ice cream, and the story is over. So this is another example of a quick done-in-one book, not with quite the same panache as the first book we covered. Uh, but, uh, you know, Bronze Age fun. I enjoyed this. Looking back on it, I'm not really so wild about the art in it. It was kind of kind of that Don Heck house style is the way yeah. I describe it. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's okay. It's readable. It doesn't prevent me from reading the story, but it doesn't really give you anything too much. And there's a couple of... You know, there's like two splash pages inside, plus a couple of like really big panels. So it's it's almost like they had so little to tell in the story that he had to pad it to make it fit the number of pages. Uh, all that said, I kind of enjoy it. So I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to rate this thing when we're done. What do you guys think of it? Would a rolled up movie screen really hurt that much? I was thinking that too. Yeah, what a strange thing to try to hit him with. Yeah. It doesn't really seem like the ideal weapon. I'm going to take this fabric and I'm going to roll it up and hit you with it. <laughs> well, there, there is a metal bar at the top of it that I assume. Oh, uh, okay. Open. All right, all right. I'll... Yeah, because how else is that thing going to stand up on its own? I mean, it shouldn't be. Otherwise, yeah, you wouldn't even have to run it up against his chest. It would just crumble to the ground but, as you're running with it. But think, how, how much work did, uh, although they don't show it, but how much work did he have to do to perfectly roll up that thing around that bar? Wait, hold on. I got to roll up this screen around this metal bar here, laying it out, rolling it. Oh, shit, it's a little crinkled over there. Let me roll it inside. <laughs> hey, can you grab that for me? Pull it out the other end. Straighten it out. Come on, straighten it out. All right, roll, 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 roll. Okay, get over there. All right, here I come. Yeah. It's, it's funny when you think about this issue and you compare it to Atlas as he appeared in the Thunderbolts. Right. You know, who is the same character, but obviously has undergone a huge personality change. But he didn't look evil. Like he but he, even even his his disregard for the for the little girl. Uh, well, he was a villain. Yeah, but yeah, but he undergoes a major personality shift when he's when he becomes uh, you know part of the Thunderbolts yeah. and all because he he becomes basically like a surrogate big brother to what was her name Jolt I think was her name. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. Well, wasn't it? Didn't he, he had some involvement with the woman that was the Crimson Cowl too? Dallas, yeah, yeah, that was his Dallas Reardon, yeah. yeah, but he he also has like a certain amount of insecurity in that. You know, they they made him a layered character, which in this yeah. is not a, in the slightest no. bit layered. Now, didn't he actually? Wasn't he actually the one who killed the uh, the newer Captain Marvel? Mm. Didn't he like beat him to death or something? Did he? And then and then like covered it up? Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. The, the... When when did that happen? You mean the son of Marvel, the guy... Uh, yeah, yeah, Genisville? Yeah. Oh, well, nobody should charge him for well, that. He, that character sucks. Well, he had... He had uh, was that when Genisville had gone a little off the deep end, too? Be, be, because I know there was a... Um, ah, it's 
I don't, can't remember if it was the second or third. Where did that actually series. happen, though? Because I, I've read most of the original. I know what you're talking about. I just don't remember where it happened. I don't think it yeah. happened in Thunderbolts. I think it happened. Did it happen in the Captain Marvel book? I'm not sure. Interesting. That I did not know about. I first read this issue, uh, the one that were that you just synopsized. I first read this when it was reprinted in Thunderbolts. It was reprinted in Thunderbolts number 39, uh, which is that one. It's a it's a hundred page monster issue. It's that great one that has um, Scourge standing over the body of Baron Zemo, saying justice is served, and it reprinted. Uh, several different um older comics as part of being you know because the the thunderbolts story was a regular length story of a regular issue of thunderbolts the other 100 pages were made up of reprints so you had um mm -hmm. one of hawkeye's adventures from uh his you know his days fighting iron man back in um was that tales of suspense or whatever uh and then it reprinted this uh because again with um eric Jostin being uh, one of the Thunderbolts and everything. So it was neat that they didn't back off from this little piece of continuity, but it was, I can remember reading it for the first time and, and having the same reaction of, wow, this really, except for the name and the, and the continuity ties and all, it really is not the same character, at least not personality wise. Cause he, he really changed. He was more like a, he was more like a gentle giant, when he was in the Thunder, he almost got the feeling that he had been a criminal only because he just wasn't very smart and he was kind of following the wrong crowd type of thing. Um, but he was one of the ones, to my memory anyway, he was one of the ones that really helped them kind of become uh, a force for good because of his friendship with Jolt and he was kind of easily swayed into the whole hero thing. He found that he liked doing good and having the that you know adoration of the crowd type of thing as opposed to being the bad guy so i always kind of credited him with with being one of the main reasons why the thunderbolt try you know the thunderbolts tried to go legit um and of the team members of the thunderbolts as they first started out he was kind of the one that i gravitated to the most uh on the team because I, I came to really like his character i liked him and i liked um the beetle i, I thought oh, yeah, they um mock mock whatever yeah, Mark five, Mark six, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just looked it up on on Wikipedia, so we know we could trust it as being accurate. And that <laughs> actually says that uh, that Helmet Zemo killed Janice Vell in Thunderbolts number one hundred. Yeah, I could have swore that he beat somebody up. Maybe he just beat him up, and it did, he didn't actually well, kill. What him. you might be thinking of is when Hercules come looking for a rematch, because remember he had beat the crap out of Hercules. No, no, I'm I'm thinking of Janice Vell. I think I think I think Atlas may have just beat him senseless at some point, but not killed him. Right. Mm. But remember, he did that to to Hercules when we covered the uh, the under siege storyline. But in the rematch, grabbed... didn't Hercules dispatch him? Well, Hercules was yeah. Hercules was intent pretty much to take him out, and they're one of my favorite sequences in that entire run was when Hawkeye stood between Hercules and uh, Atlas and basically talked Herc down. And there's a great moment where Herc's holding this, I mean, massive boulder over his head that would just, you know, reduce Hawkeye to just paste if he dropped it on him. And he keeps telling Hawkeye to get out of the way and Hawkeye stands him down. And then he finally just drops it. She tickles point, Hercules on the belly. 
Yeah, and <laughs> and you know Hawkeye just has this look like he just pissed his pants because the the thing when he drops the rocket like nearly misses him, and he says something to the effect of you know for the sake of our friendship I'm going to let this go this one time, but you know when we meet again we'll no longer be as friends or something to that effect. And uh, I always really liked that because Hercules uh, he took that shit really personal when uh, when he was attacked as part of Under Siege because it was. Uh, you know, it, it, it beat him to pretty much almost death. And if I remember right, I think he actually had some brain damage because of it. Yeah, I think he and did. He was never quite the same after that. And uh, yeah, he was he was pissed and he, he come itching for a rematch. That's one of the better issues of Thunderbolts, in my opinion. I really like that issue. Maybe I'll bring that one to the show sometime. That's a good issue. That's all I got. Billy, any other comments? Uh, we're done with this. No, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a pretty simple issue. There's not that much to critique here. Uh, Cover-wise, I kind of like the layout, even though it looks like a strange position. There's way too many words on it. And like I said it, it, when I described it, the words are pretty much superfluous. Uh, with the exception of the killer with my name, you could take off all the words. And looks to me like uh, the villainous Power Man might have had his face touched up by John Romita Sr., but otherwise, it's kind of okay. I'm going to say a C-plus on the cover. Nothing special, but it's it's not bad. The interior art, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, and I'm not a huge fan of Ron Wilson, but I'm going to say he got Vince Colletted because the, oh, yeah. the inking in here is, is, is really poor. It's, it's, there's a lot of very thick lines, a lot of, a lot of what, I, what I consider to be lazy inking, and I guess it was an attempt to make it fast. Uh, the artwork, like I said, it almost feels like it's from the Don Heck school of art, art so that immediately kind of puts it at the C level. And then with what I think is the poor inking, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm torn between whether to say a C- minus or a D plus. And I think I'm going to go D plus because I'm just not wild about the artwork on, on many levels. Uh, Story-wise, it's kind of fun. It's, you know, a little, little unbelievable in some of the events that happen in it and all, but as long as you just kind of take it with a grain of salt and move along, it's kind of fun. So I'm going to say a B minus on the story, and overall I'm going to give the book a C. I'll go ahead and go next. Uh, I really like the cover, with one exception: Luke Cage's face. It, it, he looks like a completely different person. I don't know what's going on here, but that doesn't look at all like the Luke Cage we actually see inside the issue. Inside the issue, I think he's drawn fairly consistently. But that cover, I mean, that is not the same man. So that that's just bizarre to me. He has a very, like, it, it, he's like Hulk with an afro. He looks really weird there. <laughs> um, but the rest of it I really like. With an you afro know. and a tiara. Right, yeah, very much so. Um, but the rest of it I like. I, I think it's pretty dynamic. He uh, Luke might also be a little bit beefier than he is uh, on the interior of the issue as well. He actually looks more to me like Black Goliath right there in his build and in his face and everything that he does like, than Luke Cage. But still, I, I like it though. Um, I think I would go a. I think I'd go like a like a C plus on the cover. It's 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 a pretty dynamic cover. It could use a little bit of work. Um, and, yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more of the artwork. Um, the words are really kind of crowding uh, the figures. Interior, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think Ron Wilson, uh, he got the hatchet job, unfortunately. It just, it really doesn't service his art. 
Ron Wilson's not one of my favorite artists, but I like the guy and I think he's a very serviceable artist. And there's a lot of the panels I'm seeing here and, and really examining them to figure out, okay, what, what's wrong with this panel? And almost invariably what's wrong with it is the inking just is crap. And to really illustrate that point, go to the very last panel in the book where it's supposed to be Luke walking off into the sunset off the horizon or whatever with the little girl on his shoulders it actually looks like he's about to collide with a billboard the the perspective of that shot is so friggin static that it doesn't work as a perspective shot at all it it looks two-dimensional it, it it's like you know it's like when the coyote would paint a tunnel on on a you know on a cliff face to try to trick the roadrunner into running into it you know it just doesn't have any three-dimensionality to it whatsoever. So it just, yeah, I'm not buying that. Um, and that's kind of symptomatic of Coletta. By by omitting detail and not filling in those backgrounds, he just doesn't do the, the artist any favors whatsoever. It comes off very, uh, just very unprofessional, you know, just very... Well, like the shots... The shot where Luke Cage basically slams Power Man, the... The full page spread where he's where it says splow or splow whatever where he knocks right. him out of the theater that looks like that just doesn't look good. There's no, there's yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? It it all right. It there's no looks, detail to it. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing. I mean, it looks like I'm not saying I could have done it, but it just does not look like a professional artist. No, it does not. It looks like Kitty Comics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really... and not 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 to say that Kitty Comics are not artists but it's that's the style it's not it just doesn't fit right. the rest of the book yeah it, well it i mean there and and there's a lot of pages like that where it just looks yeah you know i mean over, there there are over, a, oversimplified i guess right there are a couple panels that look really good but overall they're the exception rather than the rule um i really like on page seven that very first panel of luke reese's will you look at that the mutt hasn't uh the, got enough brains to back off that's actually a really good panel I like that, but again, you know, the exception rather than the rule. So mm-hmm. overall, arts. Um, would you say, Paul, a D? Because I think D. I think is, I said D plus. Uh, yeah, I think D is generous uh, on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will. I will go with D. It is just barely passing. Well, and... you know, I mean, we've we've discussed similar things where you know the story is easy enough to follow, and even though the artwork is poor, it's like it almost has to be incomprehensible to get to the F level. Right. So this wasn't incomprehensible. So, And as far as the story goes, uh, I think with the story, I'm going to go straight up B. Um, this is pretty standard Tony Isabella. I like Tony Isabella. I like his writing. And I think it's a, a kind of a neat idea of remembering that, oh, yeah, way back in the day, there was another different guy that was called Power Man. Let's have them fight. You know, it's it's standard comics stuff. And uh, and he handles it well. So, yeah, it, it's fun. So overall, I don't know what the hell is that average out to. I'll say I'll say a C. I'll say straight middle of the road kind of book, which is about what I would expect from the pre-burn issues of Luke Cage. I'll be honest with you. Uh, all right. I'll. I think I'm going to be along the lines of you guys. The cover, yeah, that's just doesn't. When you first mentioned, you know, the the poses are all wacky. Uh, it's too wordy. You know, I, I C minus almost a D plus for the cover. The interior art 
not consistent. It's, you know, like it's rushed in some panels. Like the opening panel with the shot of Luke Cage's face on the newspaper looks pretty good. I mean, that seems to have some detail to it overall. But then other ones just look rushed. And like I just said, the one where, where Power Man gets knocked out of the out of the, out of of the the theater, there's no detail. And it's just, bleh. So uh, I'm also going to give the, the art a D. But the story, it's a nice Luke, Luke Cage story. And I'm going to say uh, B, B minus for that. So I get to a C as well, I guess. Nice. That's so we're, we're pretty consistent on that one. Cool. We still want to do some emails? Yeah, let's see if we can squeeze a couple in. We, we have a, still have a pretty full email uh, bag, so I'd like to try and at least you know include a couple of them in each episode. So sure. our earliest one is from, of all people, Russell Bragg. <laughs> and it is titled, where is it titled? Back to the uh, Bins, number 238, X-Men Score. Hi, guys. Score is a great acronym. Sorry, I didn't come up with it for you. <laughs> I think I mentioned the last time you did anything X-Men that I don't have much in the way of comics, just a few what-if books here and there. I have all of the X-Men movies, first class type included, and the Wolverine movies. Hey, vague... movies that we, we can quote that we know he's seen. <laughs> a vague memory struck me not too long ago. I've probably mentioned in other emails about my first memory of comics. My mom had a little suitcase full of coverless comics. That sounds like Scott's memories. Yep. That, that she bought for uh, visiting nieces and nephews. I remember one of them was an X-Men book with the origin of Cyclops. Without a cover, I never did figure out what comic it was. Dr. Bill and I have podcasting studio similarities. He has a washer in his. I have a furnace in mine. I couldn't tell you if the furnace comes through on my podcast because I've never listened to my show. You guys shouldn't be ashamed of using other sources for your synopsis. I don't think I could ever do an off-the-cuff, as Scott says. I always enjoy hearing from J. David Weeder. I don't remember how you tangented, in, tangented into back-in-my-day talk, but I remember console televisions and having only channels 2 through 13. We used to decorate the heck out of, our, of the huge TV at Christmas. We probably won't see this movie in the theater, my wife has only seen bits and pieces of the previous two movies, and I haven't seen a lot more than that. So we'll be content to wait for the Blu-ray. Enjoyed the comics all of you brought to the table. They were very entertaining. I guess that's all I got for this time around. I figured a Doctor Strange score is around the bend, so I look forward to it, even though I know very little about the character. Thank you for keeping me entertained. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. Thank you, Thank Russell, you, and hopefully well, we gave you a little X-Men background that will help you when you see the movie. Well, what what is our next um, score episode? Are we going to do something for Suicide Squad? We should. Whether we will or not, I don't know, but we should. I'm not. I'm really not that familiar with the Suicide Squad. That's why I'd kind of. Uh, I I I have I'm not decided yet if I'm going to go see the movie. Um, I'm probably going to see it, but I'm also I don't have a. A very vast knowledge of having read many much of it. Either. I mean, I get the concept. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's the, it's well, the, de- the dirty dozen. Right. We don't have to necessarily do suicide. You know, Suicide Squad issues. We could do a Suicide Squad score episode. But if you wanted to focus on 
a specific character. Uh, a specific character, for example, you know, like a, a Batman issue with Deadshot in it, or, or mm. you know, Killer Croc, or oh, you know, whoever, idea. Harley Quinn, whatever. Yeah, I threw a rock on him. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we. I mean, we have a few weeks before we'd have to get to that, so I'd like to do one just because I enjoy doing score episodes. But yeah, I do too. But uh, you know, how, how what the format will be, I couldn't tell you at this point. Cool. All right, we ready for the next one? Yeah, I think we yeah. are. Yeah. You got it, Scott? Uh, no, go ahead. You take this one. Do you actually even have the emails? Up? Yeah, yeah, I have it. Oh, okay. Gonna... That's why I was, I was digging at you. Uh, score Apocalypse and Civil War from Kirk Groenveld or Greenfield or whatever Kirk would like us to call him. I'm bringing, I'm binging. What? Okay. I'm binging. Binging. I'm binging here on binge. Oh, binging here on binge. Try and try saying that three times fast. Well, I couldn't even say it once. So there you go. That's but that's me. And couldn't help but react. I'm pleased and proud to have brought the binzers to their knees, arguing over the use of score in the show. Doesn't that sound like a similar plot to a recent Avengers movie? Divide and conquer, or let them tear themselves apart. Oh, so Kirk is now uh, Baron Zemo. Okay, except that was never my intent. But I am honored that you've adopted my suggestion for score. I have to agree with much of what you said about Civil War, and the general sense is that fans are squeeing over how good it was. But I, but I am also noting a certain affinity to describe a lot of key moments as orgasmic. Go back and count the references. There are a lot. I don't, I don't remember saying orgasmic. Oh, oh, oh sorry. No. I just watched X-Men Apocalypse with the family on Saturday as it came out, and we were generally pleased, ex except that so many of these movies are set in among or cause so much destruction and rubble, it's the Man of Steel syndrome, as I describe it. Maybe it's appropriate for a movie who whose plot revolves around the end of the world, but it seems like so much destruction that I am getting tired of it. I'd rather see more clever and well-orchestrated hero-on-hero fights, <clears throat> go see Civil War, that's my comment, not his. Using common locales like New York City and common everyday items, objects, garbage cans, lids as a shield, news seller stand, subway interest, and steps, water fountains, etc. Enjoyed the review of X-Men 42 as it is such a turning point for the original series. There were seven, count them, seven covers with a subtitle larger than masthead X-Men before the experiment in 1968 was ended. Roy Thomas was trying anything to boost sales on the series that was circling the drain, as he put it. He gave them he gave them a long, continuing storyline. Guest starred Spidey, Frankenstein, Merlin, new costumes, killed their mentor, split up the team, featured them in solo tales in duos, ended their backup ended their backup origins, and finally tried various artists, including Steranko, Windsor Smith, and Adams. Finally, by issue 64, they were throwing in the towel, despite sales figures that lagged so far behind that the axe fell before they saw how Adams was working out. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I didn't mind it ending because it brought ex it uh, ending because to bring Xavier back and the awful Sunfire, the Knox and the Hulk just felt that they were flailing around again. But the return of the Sentinels, Kazar, Magneto is a high point arc that I really enjoyed, although I came in late to buy the back issues after they vanished from the stands. I also agree that X Factor was a terrible idea, although anything Walt and Wheezy Simon Wheezy? <laughs> Wheezy Simon <laughs> no, I just picture the Jeffersons. Put their minds and talents to has always been worthwhile in my book. 
I thought they jumped through too many hoops to return the original X-Men back to a team, including resurrecting Gene, altering Beast, and maiming Angel. And I knew that it really couldn't last. They just tried too hard, and I never felt the series truly had a chance. I don't know. You guys think that? I I mean, I do I mean, agree I see that they, they went through like great machinations to get them to that point. But it didn't. None of that disturbed me. I was happy to see them all together again. Yeah, I mean, Jean was. I mean, bringing the Jean. Well, that was that was the first time she came back, and I and I kind of bought that one. The uh, times after that was just gets kind of silly. But uh, I thought, as far as coming up with a, a way of bringing her back, I thought it was pretty creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have I have fond memories of the first I don't know thirty forty something issues of of X Factor. I actually enjoyed that stuff a lot. A lot of it was for the the Walt Simonson art, but I mean, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for the nod and continuing use of score. You'll get your swag eventually, and as we mentioned earlier, we already did. <laughs> if I ever find out uh, find it for sale anywhere. Uh, P.S. I I I just bought a trade paperback of Submariner and the original Human Torch that <laughs> some oh that someone recommended. It's all reprint and summarizes a bunch of history. And that's from Kirk Greenfield, co-host of the Imperious Rex podcast, Confessions of a Serial Surface Invader, along with my birthday girl, Ren, age 22, as of Memorial Day. PPS, we're about to resume recording new episodes now that she is out of college. Watch for them. And you got to go search for them. You got to go to their website, uh, which I don't have. I'm sure if you search for it on the Internet, you can find it. But it is not on. Search for for Imperious Rex. Yeah. uh, I'm sorry. What's the rest of the title? Confessions of a... Confessions, Confessions of a, of a serial, serial Service, service invader. invader. It'll bring you You'll to their find. website, and you can download them directly from there. I, I do, and I listen to them, and I enjoy them. I think they're pretty well done. I yes, think Kirk and Ren do a nice job. It's not on iTunes, so don't go looking for it on iTunes. Like I did. Going, what the hell is this? So, But then I found it. So, All right. Next. All right. The next one is entitled Regarding Earth 3, and this one is from David, and I'm going to assume the last name is pronounced Hate. It's H-A-I-G-H-T. Could be height. Uh, I'm not sure. Could be height. Uh, David, write in and let us know how to pronounce your name. Um, and I believe this is a new name writing into the show. So if I'm correct in that, uh, David, write in and tell us a little bit about yourself. If I'm wrong in that, I apologize. I, I just uh, I don't remember having seen your name before. Anyway, on to uh, the subject here. He writes and he says, Paul and Scott. He's leaving out Dr. Bill because this references an actor, an episode that Dr. Bill did not take part in. That's uh, fine. He says, thanks for your excellent coverage of the crime syndicate's first appearance. While I'm forced to agree that the story doesn't live up to its significance to DC continuity, it's also clear that after both of the major reboots done over the past 30 plus years, this quote unquote event has been essentially retold twice. First for the post-crisis JLA with Grant Morrison's Earth 2 graphic novel, and just recently in the New 52 era with Forever Evil by Jeff Johns. Both were new takes on the first meeting with the crime syndicate, and while each added new layers to the basic template as presented in 1964, it's also inescapable that both are derivative works of the same source, the imagination of Gardner Fox. Now, I'm going to uh, editorialize here for a moment. I'm going to step out of uh, David's letter. I have not read this New 52 one that he's talking about. I'd be kind of curious to check it out, um, only because it is written by Jeff Johns. Um, however, if you know me, you know I have very strong opinions about Grant Morrison's Earth 2. Um, it is 
very likely the comic that I would vote shittiest comic ever made because in all the years I have been purchasing comic books, I only ever returned one of them, and it was that book. Uh, I actually bought it. It was... I don't know if it's ever been reprinted, but when I bought it, it was brand spanking new and it was uh, a hardcover graphic novel that I went to, like, I don't know, Barnes and Noble or something and purchased. And it was so terrible, I actually took it back and demanded and got my money back. So, yeah, I don't think much of that book at all. And so I will completely agree with you, David, uh, in your use of uh, derivative. Yeah, it was uh, it was bad. Um, But, yeah, I am curious about the other one, though. Anyway, back into David's letter, he says, this, of course, is emblematic of a bigger problem within the industry as a whole, especially for the big two, Marvel and DC, the propensity of writers within these fictional universes to withhold new creations because they end up the properties of uh, Disney and or Warner Brothers. So we're left with the majority of modern age stories being rehashed concepts or uh, or new spins on classic tales like the one you covered in JLA 29 and 30. While every once in a while a new concept will pop up, there's no comparison between the number of unique ideas presented in the Silver Age and those in current titles from either DC or Marvel. Um, We could do an entire show just on that subject because I think that is one of the many things. I mean, you know, we've talked many times before about the decline of comics and, and what are the factors that have led comics to where it is today. You know, as far as, you know, the prices and where they are now and the fact that you can't find comics like you could when we were kids. They were on every corner drugstore and things like that. This is one that I don't know that we've touched on all that often, but it's definitely in my mind a contributing factor is that after a particular time, uh, I think you summed it up nicely here that writers started to kind of withhold their best material because they didn't necessarily want to just give it away for free to the companies that they were working for. Um, I I started to kind of notice this on a, on a subconscious level in the eighties when I was reading, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties, when I was uh, really heavy into comics. And I think that's why certain artists or not just artists, but, you know, writers, uh, uh, creators is the word I was looking for. Why certain creators stand out to me more than others, like, say, David Michelinie, for example. I never got that feeling from him. He's an idea guy and had a lot of great ideas that went on to be things that continue to impact comics to this very day. Say, take Venom, for example. I, I have heard Venom referenced a number of times as the last... Uh, I don't know, great would be the right word to use, but the last big hit in comics, you know, the the last big creation in comics on a level of, say, uh, Wolverine, for example, because he's, he's still around, he's still fairly popular, that sort of thing. And you don't really get that much anymore in comics where there's something that that is created, becomes a big splash, and the next thing you know, it, it's it's one of those forefront kind of things associated with a particular character or or a particular universe or something you just don't get that much anymore uh like we used to and i would take some issue with with venom because he's created to be you know one of the opposite number type villains so Mm -hmm. you couldn't take that concept and go to another company with it because he's kind of the anti-spider-man you can't go to another company and say here i have this villain for you he's anti-spider-man you know what i mean that's 
Yeah, that yeah, no, that is a good point. That is a very good point. It, it's it's I, I don't feel he's a total totally original creation because he's building on you know the concept of Spider Man. Right. So you know I, I'm I'm trying to remember, like sometimes I go back as far as like the the late seventies and think who's the last great character that was created and I think well maybe Wolverine. Yeah. I mean yeah. there are other characters that have been invented you know for independent companies and all but between marvel and dc and i'm sure we, we can get a flood of letters of people saying oh you left out this character you left out that character and yeah I, I know there are other people other characters but as far as you know like those cornerstone characters the people that they, they want to make movies about and everything uh not a lot of people created after then i mean i guess maybe yeah. harley quinn and yeah, she wasn't Harley. even created in the comic. She was created on the t- on the cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I'd have to really rack my brains about it, but I, I remember that being the subject of an article I read once. It was probably in Wizard Magazine, and that was kind of the focus of the article was, like, who who was the last great comics character that was created? And I think their summation, if I remember properly, at the end of the article was essentially Wolverine. And that kills me on a lot of levels because, for one thing, that's way back in the 70s. Have we yeah. really not gotten anything past that point? And, but honestly, we, we really haven't. Um, and that's, that's kind of sad. I mean, I would, I would kind of point to Venom, but you make an excellent point. Venom is not somebody that could have, uh, as you say, be, been taken, you know, been withheld and taken to another company. He only works in that universe. And so. and if anybody is going to send us in emails of characters that they think fit that description, I would say, please try not to send a legacy or derivative character because that kind of disqualifies. Right. But if you come up with other characters, you know, I mentioned Harley Quinn. I think that's that would be a viable argument. Although, again, she was created for the cartoon series, not for the comic book. So. What's funny is I think that uh, I think actually the opposite happened a lot. I think that there were actually a lot of characters that had great potential to be that next big thing. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen for them. I, I think there were rather a lot of them. So it, it's strange. And I think that Spawn uh, was interesting because he, that was kind of his thing, uh, at least in um, Todd McFarlane's mind, was that that was the whole reason why he existed was that that was a character he came up with while working for marvel and withheld him and went off and did his own thing with him and you know i I leave it to others to judge the the success or failure of that whole thing because just simply leaving the big two is a surefire way for me to uh (laughs) to not ever see it essentially so that's why i never really got into that Anyway, back to David's letter. He says here, I don't begrudge writers taking their new creations to independent publishers, but it leaves readers of DC and Marvel Comics with less than satisfying results, at least for those like myself who have been reading their titles for 30 to 40 years. Some would say this this means it's time for me to just stop reading comics altogether and leave them to the younger audiences. I think that's what draws me to podcasts like yours that focus on older issues. As your tagline indicates, a feeling of disenfranchisement by the modern comics industry. Yeah, that's absolutely. I'm, I'm down with you. So speaking of, uh, speaking of which, I'd like to add my voice to those who would like to see a return of the Tales of the Justice Society podcast. Even if the release schedule remains infrequent, it would be really great to eventually have the rest of the crisis, the All-Star Squadron, Infinity Inc., and other classic J- uh, JSA-related stuff covered in a format focused on that material in addition to the more random assortment coverage of Back to the Bins. 
In any case, looking forward to more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. Regards, and that's from DM Heights. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate that. This that was a good letter. Yeah, like thanks, David. And mm-hmm. I appreciate it as well. And you know, inspired some conversation. Absolutely. And and I think we could go on for a long time talking about some of those concepts. We could do whole shows on them. Absolutely. But uh, I think we're running a little long, so should we call it or should we do any more? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, no, yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and call it. But uh, I, I love the uh, I love the intro line of the very next letter. You're gonna you're gonna. <laughs> 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 we'll save that one for next. <laughs> uh, right, we'll 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 anybody who is interested in hearing that will have to listen next time around. <laughs> okay, Raven. <laughs> what happened? Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Oh, God. I get, oh, man. I think I like forced it down further now. <laughs> Put that in with no context.